In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at figures from the Old Testament, Samuel and Jonah, and the way that God used them as prophets to bring forth his word, his grace, his love to the people, uh, that they were to manifest God's word to the people around them. And uh, Samuel, we heard not the word, the words of the Lord never hit the ground. That is, they always fell upon the ears of the people. And um, Jonah, likewise, that was true. Not that Jonah was always happy about that, as we saw last week, is a little hesitant to be a messenger of God's word of grace. Um, but yet God used him anyway. And today we're going to look at Moses, um, a little bit about Joshua, but Moses primarily. Um, it's not as clear cut in Deuteronomy as it is in um, Samuel and Jonah, but Deuteronomy as a whole is is basically uh, just the farewell sermon of Moses, pretty much the farewell discourse and renewal of the covenant of God, as well as the commissioning of Joshua as the new leader of Israel. And so these are really what what Deuteronomy is primarily about. And um, it's that it's that commissioning of of Joshua that's that's important to look at, as well as the the reason behind it for this for this entire book, as Moses' sort of last sermon. Because Moses, as as we might remember, sort of represents the law. He's the one who went up Mount Sinai and brought down the Ten Commandments. He's the one who led the people of Israel. He's the one who challenged Pharaoh um, to let his people go and the one who proclaimed um, God's word to Pharaoh time and time again to let his people go unless they want to face various plagues. Um, those 10 plagues that Pharaoh um, encountered time and time again that then would repent and Moses would take them away or Moses would pray to God to take them away until that final plague of uh, plague of the death of the firstborn where every firstborn child in that region, unless they had the Passover blood with the angel of death passed over, um, every firstborn uh, would die in Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh lets them go until he changes his mind and decides not to and comes to his senses and says, why am I letting my free labor go? This is going to be an economic disaster. So he has his military chase them down. They get to the Red Sea and they're trapped. And then God calls Moses to raise his staff and the Red Sea parts and they go through. And when Israel gets to the other side, raises his staff again and the waters close in and Pharaoh's army is destroyed. And so now they're free in the wilderness, um, which all of a sudden has new challenges, right? One is they're, they're to go to the promised land, right? But, but on the way to the promised land, 
um, as, as Moses sends spies into the promised land, um, 10, of, 10 of the spies, 12, who sends 12 spies, one from each tribe of Israel, 10 come back saying, Those, it's wonderful, but we're like grasshoppers compared to them. And two say, Joshua and Caleb, two say, no, we can do it. The Lord has brought us here. The Lord is, has brought us in safety. The Lord is at our hand, right? We can do it. And uh, the 10 went out, right? They, they go and convince all the other people not to do it. So God says, fine, wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and nobody in this generation will get to go to the promised land. And they say, wait, wait, never mind, we'll go now. And Moses says, don't go now, it's too late. You didn't listen to God. And they didn't listen to Moses. And a bunch of them went, and then they got beat. Uh, and so they, they marched around, right, in the wilderness. And during that time in the wilderness, they met all sorts of other uh, trials and tribulations of of not, not having water, not having food. So God provided manna from heaven, provided quails, provided water from a rock. And that first time that there was, um, God led Moses when there was no water and people were grumbling and complaining, saying, remember how great it was in Egypt? Remember we had leeks and fish and it was so amazing. Forgetting maybe all the that horrible uh, brick building and, beatings and slavery part. Um, and so God led Moses to a rock and told him to hit it with his staff. And Moses hit it with his staff and water flowed out. And then there was no water another time. And God told Moses, speak to the rock. And Moses went up to the rock and he hit it two times. He said, do we need to bring water for you? And God said, you're not going to lead my people to the promised land. And that's really where we are today in effect. Um, with this passage, as well as as well as um, just the whole reality of being a prophet for God and being one who listens and obeys and follows the living God, um, just like that. Moses is not going to be the one to lead the people. Moses, who's been the intercessor. Moses, who's been the leader. Moses, who's been the judge. Moses, who's been the one who's gone to talk to God, to speak to God, to be in the presence of God. Moses, who's shown brightly. Moses, who represents the law. And the, as, as it says in the prologue to John, and he's on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, as we'll see in a couple of weeks. Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land because instead of speaking to the rock like God said, 
he hit it like he'd done before. And God says, your leadership has reached a pinnacle. It's time to move on. And now, if you're like me, you're sort of crying out, that's not fair, right? That's not fair. So he got a little, got a little upset, got a little tired. You know, the people of were grumbling, moaning, complaining, oh, nagging again. I've, you know, already rejected um, before your testing God, when you say, why don't you just stand aside and I wipe these people out and I'll start over with you. And Moses said, no, 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 right? No, don't do it, God. These are your people. What would what would all the nations say if you wipe them out? You just rescued them from Egypt to bring them out into the desert to destroy them. No, um, you know, Moses has been there to these people and, you know, so he lost his cool for a minute. It's not right. And yet this, not only what, what God said of now, your leadership ends here. It can't go on to the next. Moses not only accepted that, but he prepared Joshua to assume that leadership. Joshua, one of the spies, who brought forth um, the report that we can do it. One of the people who believed and trusted God the whole time. And Moses says in this passage, that we read, God's going to raise up a prophet like me. There's sort of a foreshadowing even of, to Jesus of this, but God is going to provide prophets, not just Joshua, but he's going to continue to provide prophets who declare the word of the Lord, declare the covenant grace, the, declare the manifestations of the presence and power and love of God. God is going to speak through these prophets. He's going to continue to raise up prophets. He's going to continue to speak through them. And and this is sort of in, in opposition to the passage that was directly before this one, which basically says, don't be like the other nations and seek out those who practice dark spirits, pretty much mediums and sorcerers, and divinations, charmers. Um, don't sacrifice your children as burnt offerings. That's an abomination to the Lord. Um, instead, I'll provide prophets who will declare my word. And, and, and in many ways, this is, as Moses says, this is exactly what you also have asked for because you've pled not to have to look on uh, the face of God and hear the voice of God lest you die. Um, so Moses was the one to do that. Moses took that on. Moses was the one to climb the mountain and 
converse with God and be with God. And Moses would come down. His face would like glow. He'd have to put up like a little shroud over his, a veil over his face. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't be so powerful to the people to have to look at him. And so as, as those who receive the word of the Lord, um, Where's, how does this apply to us today? What does this passage say to us today? We could cry out it's not fair when things don't always go our way, when we follow God in every aspect except maybe those couple things and then something happens. The good news is we can always return to the Lord. but also speaks about God's promise to speak through prophets. And really, now that Jesus has come to be the word made flesh, the final prophet, so to speak, and then sends forth his spirit, it's sort of a promise that God speaks through his people that God speaks through us, that the word of God is powerful, and that it's a promise that's, that's meant for us to manifest the grace and love and glory of God to the people around us. But it's not something to be taken lightly, right? And I think that's one of the keys, that it's, that it's, a joy that God will speak to us, that God will speak through us, but also a privilege. And that when God says, speak to the rock, that water may come out, that people will know who I am, that we don't say, we need to give you water. right? Seems like we've been maybe beating people for years with the staff of Moses rather than speaking the word of the living God, that they may know the power and presence. I don't want to take that too far that we've been beating them over the head, but um, there is a reality that the word of God alone is powerful. The word of God is blessing. And Moses, right, not only accepts the fact that he's not going to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, begins to prepare for that inevitable reality that the day is coming when Israel is going to go to the promised land. And just because it isn't him doesn't mean 
He doesn't prepare the nation for that reality. He doesn't anoint and lift up Joshua. He prepares Joshua. He commissions Joshua. He passes his authority to Joshua. He raises Joshua up as the one who's going to carry on that leadership, which is a gift, not only to Joshua, but to the people of Israel, to the nation of Israel. Those who feel like Moses should be the one because he's always been the one. And Moses can say, no, it's not me. It's him. Which is a really important aspect in, in the life of a church, the life of a parish, right? I'm not going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever. It doesn't mean we throw up our hands and go, well, whatever happens to St. Matthias. No, we, we continue to work. One of, one of my favorite passages um, is in John's gospel where Jesus challenges the disciples and says, you know, you're getting to reap all of these great things that others before you have sown the seed, right? And it's such a great, it's such a great passage. It's such a great thought. And it, and it puts us sort of in this same vein of, of Moses and Joshua, which is Moses still laid a whole bunch of, of groundwork, right? Without Moses, Joshua isn't leading the people into the promised land because they're still in Egypt. Without Moses to gather the community, to be the judge, the intercessor, they may not be prepared to go into the promised land, to follow Joshua into that next aspect of life. Without those who sow the seed, there's nothing to reap, right? There's no harvest. And that's always been a helpful passage for me. One, when things go really well, that I know that it's gone on before, but others, when there's things that we do that may not be that successful right away or bear immediate fruit, but years later isn't producing much fruit. It puts a whole spin on our investment, on the ways we, the way we live, the words that we speak. There doesn't need to be an instantaneous gratification when we do the work of God. We're preparing the soil, we're planting the seeds. Someday we'll get to reap the harvest or not. Others will get to reap the harvest, and we can rejoice in that. So Moses, even after being told he's not going to lead the people into the promised land, continues to prepare, to cultivate, to weed, even knowing that the harvest will be reaped by another.
It's a great testimony. How do we live as prophets? How do we listen, follow, obey? How do we declare and manifest the words of God to the people around us? Ultimately, the trick in all of this, and it isn't easy to hear all the time, is obedience. Obedience. Stop hitting the rock. Listen to God. When God speaks, we obey. Which is, again, all we can do. Right? We can be satisfied when God, ta- God tells us to plant the seed, even if it doesn't grow right away. We're doing what we're called to do. Doing what we're called to do. Manifesting the presence and power and love of God in the lives of our family, in the lives of our community, the lives of those we love and the love the lives of those we don't? How do we manifest? How do we live prophetic lives of God's word and the people around us? This is the challenge. I invite us to seek, to pray, and to act, to listen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you use Moses to lead the people of Israel. We thank you that you've given us Moses as an example, positively and negatively, how we can follow you. Come gracious God, and bless us. Speak clearly to us that we may follow your words, that we may seek after you, that we can manifest your great love to the people around us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.